0: Another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, October 7th, 2010. Don't worry, this won't be a three-hour-long edition of Fighting for the Faith. I, yeah, I know I'm doing some penance today. <laughs> yeah. Necessary, though. Can't keep up with the heresy hurricane anymore. It's just crazy out there. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro and I am your servant in Jesus Christ and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment. The goal of which is to help you to think biblically, to help you to think critically and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the word of God. No shortage of just bizarre things going on out there and as I was uh you know, doing my program prep and researching uh for this edition of fighting for the faith just you know you just get to the point where you can't make stuff up anymore in fact if you follow me on facebook or twitter uh then you know I I asked a question today and uh and you know just kind of put it out there for y'all to answer the question and the question really was um do do any of your all's churches um, sing the Miley Cyrus song "The Climb" as uh, as part of your praise and worship set? And you it, now I know some of you are hearing this question for the first time and going, "What? <laughs> are, are, you're not serious? Are, that what church would do such a thing?" Well, I well yeah, I happen to have found one a very important one, and it kind of fits with the whole theme that we've been running this week. And so, and just kind of giving my preliminary thoughts here. So, I got this Miley Cyrus thing that I want to play today to kind of prove my point, at least prove one of the points that needs to be proven today, and that's something's way off in the church. But then I was, you know, one of the wells that I go to on a frequent basis in my program prep for for fighting for the faith is extreme prophetic um it, why well because some of the craziest stuff is being said there but uh as i was uh, preparing for the program today i found an older patricia king video and um and as i was listening to this to to patricia king i what i th- i was struck by the fact that uh, even though the 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 thing that was promised was different by patricia king the the template was the same. I'm beginning to think that there's a heresy template out there, uh, you know. And the the heresy template always kind of goes along the lines of holding some kind of carrot up that isn't really taught in scripture. You know, uh, do you do you, you know the so the carrot could be if you think back to earlier this week when we did the um, the sermon review on the, the change your game sermon. That was the one where the uh, the man dressed up in a lobster suit uh recited the lyrics from the Beatles song Come Together. Um but if you think back to the sermon review, during the sermon the guy was saying God has a specific plan for your life, and he can't reveal it until you do X, Y, or Z. And uh and and so even at the very end there, he mentioned the gospel, but the gospel was really just a means to get to the carrot. The carrot that was held up was uh uh this significant uh, unrevealed uh, god plan for your life and uh, you know some big dream that uh, the god has and we've been hearing this kind of talk a lot in fact in more in growing in proportion from a lot of the seeker driven and purpose driven guys I, it's like this uh, it, it's part of this season's her, heresy hurricane it, it's a significant portion of it and um and so, as I was preparing for the program, I, I was, I, like I said, I found a an older Patricia King video. And uh, by the way, I have a theory about Patricia King. Um, some of her latest videos have been very um, tame uh, compared to what she's done in the past, like ridiculously tame. And I, my, here's my theory. Are you ready? I think that Patricia King has been listening to my reviews of her stuff on this program and has toned things back a bit. She's um I, I this is my personal theory. I, I can't prove it, but uh she's toned things back a bit on this on the videos that she's been releasing lately. Cause she's tired of being bludgeoned with the Bible and the fact that you know, and exposed for the false teacher that she is, and so she's toned things back. But things haven't been toned back on the overall at Extreme Prophetic. But that's just the theory that I'm working on. Just you know, I might be wrong. You yeah, know, I mean, she may have never even heard of Chris Roseboro fighting for the faith, but somehow I doubt that. Anyway, so in this video that Patricia King uh, put out a few years ago. Um, she's promising something that's different than, uh, than, you know, The God has a big plan for your life. In fact, we're going to talk about, we're going to play the audio from this because I want to show you the template. And uh, But it's the same template. She's offering something different. It's a different carrot. You know, do you want this thing in your life? Well, then you have to do this. And always, it, it, when people start talking this way, uh, what's the thing that gets thrown into the mud and trampled on? Uh, it's the cross and Christ and him crucified for our sins. Now they keep it somewhere. You know, it might have mud on it. You know, they brush the mud off. See, oh, look, we still have the cross. And, and so Jesus gets an honorable token mention. Uh, but the, the, what the, the major teaching is it's all law based. If you want to have this thing, then you've got to obey. Well, that's kind of a problem because, um, they don't obey, and so I mean the, the the tacit thing that's never said by them is, oh well, I'm doing this. See now, Rick, the thing that's different about Rick Warren, <laughs> yeah, Rick Warren, you know, he he always holds himself up as the ultimate example of the guy that's applying the principles that he's telling you to apply, because you know everybody knows that that Rick Warren has got it right. I'm sure that he walks on water, but then this kind of leads me to ask a question, a, a very well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just put it this way. This is – what I'm about to say is – is um, it's, it could be misconstrued, and I need you to listen to the question carefully and don't misconstrue it. Um, and what I'm about to say is, well, it's not something that you would say in polite company, but that has never stopped me from saying things that really need to be said even if polite company would be upset by it. But I have to ask the obvious question. Okay, and here it goes. Are, are you are you ready? Are you seated? Because you, after I ask the question, some of you are going to go, "Oh no, he didn't. Uh-uh, he did not just ask that question." Are you ready? Here, here, here's the awkward, politically incorrect uh, question that shouldn't be asked in polite company, but really does need to be asked. If Rick Warren uh, really holds himself up as the um, model Christian. I mean, as the guy who always seems to perfectly apply the principles that he's telling us that we need to apply to our lives so that we can obey God, then then why is he morbidly obese? Yeah, let me ask the question again. <laughs> let the, I, I heard your head spinning. I, from here, I can hear it. It's Y'all just went,
1: what?
0: Yeah, let me ask the question. Yeah, because I've met Rick Warren, okay? I've personally met the guy now, just so you know, I struggle with weight and I would be the first to admit that that it is sinful and wrong of me not to take care of the body that God has given me. And so um, I uh, swing back and forth between repentance and and indulgence. And uh, I'm back in one of those phases where, you know, I'm repenting and being forgiven for the sin of not taking care of the body that God has given me. That doesn't make me Holy. It just means that you know I'm recognizing that this is this is not a this is a sin that has to be addressed. But um, I come back to the question. As somebody who's met Rick Warren, now let me tell you, you know, my weight uh, when it gets out of control, I'll hover around uh, 250 pounds. Okay, that's where you know, or I'll hover at. And um, uh, as somebody who's met Rick Warren, I can tell you, Rick Warren. Uh, He he weighs in somewhere between 350 and 375. So now I come back to the question. If Rick Warren is the model Christian, you know, and, and he's uh, always holds himself up as the person who's doing it right and who's obeying. Then why is he morbidly obese? Is this some kind of a sick joke? I mean, seriously, this is like. Um, a, a guy who's offering marital advice who everybody knows is beating his wife. I mean, if you're going to pass yourself off as the guy who's being blessed because you're the one who's broken down God's law into all of its fundamental steps and you can teach everybody how they can obey it, then why does Rick Warren weigh what he does? Is that not blatant hypocrisy. You know, I'm reminded of a passage in in, uh, Romans chapter two. Now I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with the text. Let me, let me, it's verse 17. Let me, that's where I'm going to start. And I, I want you to listen carefully to what I'm going to say here. Paul is rebuking the Jews here. He says, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve of what is excellent. Let me change this. Okay. I'm going to change one word. Jew, I'm going, to, I'm going to change that to purpose-driven pastor. If you call yourself a purpose-driven pastor and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness and an instructor of the foolish and a teacher of children having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, you dishonor God by breaking the law. For as as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. He always is the one who's doing it right, and what's really funny is is that I remember a few years ago at Saddleback uh they were doing a sermon series about different life things that you need to apply to your life, like you know time management, money management, and things like that and there There was a sermon that was preached about having a healthy body and um oddly enough, every other sermon in the series was preached by Rick Warren, but Rick Warren was mysteriously missing. Uh, from preaching that particular sermon. So if Rick Warren makes the claim that you know if you want to be blessed then you have to obey God, which is stuff that he's been saying, um, can we take him seriously that he's being that he holds himself up as somebody who's obeying God? Now you remember one of the bumpers we have here at Fighting for the Faith is. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of Rick Warren, you cannot be saved. Now, that's a, to use the Ed Stetzer term, that's a contextualization. Yeah, I I was contextualizing Jesus' words uh, when Jesus said in one of the Gospels, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you cannot be saved. And I well yeah I I agree I was engaging in blatant contextualization when I had when I wrote that particular um, uh, the outtake you know the, the the that we do and it was on purpose the reason it was on purpose is because somebody who studied and listened to feels like thousands of hours now of Rick Warren's lectures and sermons and all that kind of stuff um, the one thing that has become patently clear to me is that Rick Warren is a hypocrite and a Pharisee. He do, he preaches law. He doesn't preach gospel. And he always holds himself up as the person who's pulling it off. But I'm not buying it. No, Rick Warren is a sinner just like you and I. And so the reason for the bumper, if your righteousness does not surpass that of Rick Warren, you cannot be saved, was to make the same point that Jesus was making it's jesus was right unless your righteousness surpasses that of rick warren you cannot be saved you have no hope whatsoever does that mean that i think that you should well you know try harder to be more obedient than rick warren no instead it's the same thing that the apostle paul writes about in philippians chapter 3 okay i'll do some contextualization here <clears throat> philippians chapter 3 verse 2 Look out for those dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those purpose driven fleshy people. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now the list that Paul gives is like, you know, is all the the list of the um of the Jewish things, circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. You could say something like this. Um, you know, if, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, well, I have more. I was uh, I, I made a decision to follow Jesus, experience the second blessing of, of holiness, uh, spoke in tongues, um, did the 40 days of purpose, uh, did the 40 days of community, uh, I've learned how to properly manage my time. I manage my finances, got out of debt. Uh, it, it, the litany can go on, right? Isn't that? Oh, oh I, I daily make a, uh, I daily spend time in God's word. I journal. I do the spiritual disciplines. Um, I tithe uh, 10% off the gross of my money. Yeah, put whatever list you want in there, and then comes verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, and for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them. All of these good works that I've done, getting out of debt, uh, being a good, you know, Uh, you know, uh, applying the right purpose-driven fathering techniques, uh, tithing, uh, having a daily devotion, practicing spiritual disciplines, I count them all as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that is from God and depends on faith. Yeah, see, the irony is is that Rick Warren isn't preaching this. He's not preaching the rubbish of self-righteousness and works and as if that's our righteousness. Counting all of our good deeds as rubbish so that we can be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of our own, but having the righteousness of Christ imputed to us by faith. No, Rick Warren, the reason why Rick Warren has to exalt himself as the guy who's pulling it off, who's applied the principles, is because he's the one who's concocted these uh, simple, easy, digestible steps for changing your mental attitude so that you don't believe a satanic lie. And once you believe the truth, then you can become righteous like him. He's the he's the mad scientist who's put the formula together, and he's selling you the formula. But the reality is, is that unless you're blind... It's obvious that Rick Warren is, a, is still a sinner. He's not obedient. He is not the model Christian. Yeah, it's, this is just, I mean, I think there's something seriously, seriously wrong with the church here. What we need are not men who get up in front of their congregations every Sunday and say, I've figured out the three easy steps that you can apply to your life right now. I mean, if you believe this truth and and remove this lie, then you'll be obedient to God. I mean, seriously, obedience is in thought, word and deed. And Rick Warren, he's got a deficient, seriously spiritually deficient view of obedience. And the thing is, is our obedience as Christians is a fruit of faith and the gospel. Not What he's preaching is self-righteousness, not the righteousness of Christ. He's preaching self-righteousness, not the obedience that comes through faith. If you were preaching the obedience that comes through faith, then he would never hold himself up as the example. You follow me, you just do these things because, you know, I... Uh, You know, I've I've got 20,000 books in my library. That's how you pass on a godly legacy, da 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 da. and all the things that he just talks about. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Oh, and I tithe 91% of my gross income, and I just parrot the words of Christ. You tell everybody what you're doing, you've already received your reward. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about the Pharisees who love to be seen in the marketplace, who love to have the greatest seats in the, uh, you know, at the uh, at, at the feasts, and and who make long prayers and all this stuff, and you know, and they they make a show of it when they're giving their tithe, and you know, so that everybody can see what they're doing. And what does Jesus say? I tell you, you've received your reward in full. So here's the deal. I'm not buying it. Rick Warren is not the model of Christian obedience. Not even close. And anybody who says that they are is selling you something. And isn't that what Rick Warren's doing? He's selling you something. Got to keep them, got to keep the people coming in. Got to keep attendance up at Saddleback. And so what we're going to do is promise people if they that you know if they just apply the steps that Rick Warren has put together in his mad scientist uh, you know laboratory that they can be obedient like him too and they'll be pleasing to God and then they'll earn his blessings. Yet every time he preaches it's patently obvious that if he was truly as obedient as he claimed in his sermons, then wouldn't he have like a chiseled physique? Wouldn't he have six-pack abs? Think about it, folks. I know you're thinking, man, this is kind of brutal, Chris. Yeah, it's brutal. And this is coming from somebody who understands this particular sin. How do I understand it? Well, because I'd be committing it. So is the solution obedience or is the solution repentance in the forgiveness of sins and then bearing fruit in keeping with that repentance? Because the one thing that sure does seem to be missing a lot from Rick Warren's preaching and teaching is the cross. And always, and again, we get sermons from him about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and being obedient so that we can be blessed. And he's got it, you know, and so it, what was, what, remember what he said. He said, well, I was growing up, you know, you know, my, my father would preach this or that or th- the other thing. And I will always put notes in the margin that would bet. Yeah, but how? Yeah, but how? Y-B-H. Yeah, but how? You see, the law never gives you the how. It always demands from you, but doesn't tell you how. And Jesus was not a how-to preacher. The answer to the question, that by the way, about how is repentance and the forgiveness of sins despairing of your own righteousness, repenting. You're not good. Stop saying that you are. You're not obedient. Stop saying that you are. Confess that you are a sinner and be forgiven and declared righteous by the shed blood of Christ. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the gospel that really ultimately sanctifies us, not the law. The law condemns us. And so when you are constantly confronted as one who is a sinner, that your righteousness is as filthy rags and your good works are nothing and that it's all about what Jesus has done for you and you're constantly hearing and seeing and having Christ and him crucified for your sins placarded and you're hearing about the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of sins and the unmerited favor that God gives you through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has done it for you all. When you are constantly confronted with the gospel, God produces those good fruits in your life. And in reality, when you are doing good works, not because you're trying to earn brownie points or rewards or making sure that your mansion's bigger in heaven, or, you see, here, here's the deal. Whenever you're doing a good work so that you can get a reward from God, you're, that's not a good work. That is a completely selfish act on your part. Oh here, let me help you. Yeah, I, I'm trying to make sure that the um, that the, the furniture in my mansion in heaven, you know, is up to my you know up to my posh standards. Here, here's a sandwich. Oh, you uh, you poor homeless person. Did you see that, God? Uh, you, you saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would like an Olympic size swimming pool. Yeah, because I gave that guy a sandwich. Yeah, when you do a good work as that is your motivation to earn brownie points from God, that is not a good work. That is absolutely selfish wickedness. But when your good works spring from a faith, just a a repentant faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that you have nothing to offer God, and the only thing you can really do is receive from Him, and that He's gracious and kind and merciful, Your good works are produced in repentant faith, and they're not for yourselves. They truly are out of selfless love for your neighbor. I mean, I don't come to the radio here on a daily basis going, you know, hey, God, you know, did you see that, you know, we're up to X amount of number of episodes of fighting for the faith? Look at all the hours I've put in. You know, studying and preparing for this radio program and stuff like that, you know, I'm expecting big things when I get to heaven, God. The reality is, is that I am so fully aware of my own wretchedness as I continue to read God's word and see what his law demands of me that even after doing this program and, and teaching the Bible to my family and doing all of the stuff that I've been doing for years and decades, I I would be surprised. I would be shocked if Christ gave me more than a park bench in the ghettos of heaven. But I know that God, who is rich in mercy and forgiveness, isn't going to give me what I deserve. Because if he were to give me what I deserve, then I deserve hell. Anyway, so the question g- g- comes up here. Um as we dive into the program proper. Um l- let me read to you the lyrics to this particular song and just ask the question. Is this a song that we should be singing at church? Okay. Now, we all know if you follow the uh you know, I don't do this, but uh if you yeah, I've seen it on the news. Uh, miley cyrus apparently is morally um slipping in the same way that you know we saw uh you know happening to Lindsay lohan and uh who is it britney spears you know she's you know she's come of age growing up on the disney channel and now she's got to scrub off that clean squeaky image and so she's uh <clears throat> recently gone raunchy but uh, the the um A few years ago, she wrote us, well, she performed. I don't know if she wrote the song. Songwriters Alexander J. and Mabe J. Nope, she didn't write it. Um, uh, Featuring Hannah Montana lyrics. Uh, Anyway, the name of the song is The Climb. And uh, let's see here. Is this a song that should be sung in church? Is this a song that exalts me? Or is this a song that exalts Christ and what he's done for me? Is this a song that glorifies me and my tenacity to struggle to see my dreams come true, or is this a song that exalts Christ and what he's done and rightfully shows me to be the sinner in need of a Savior? Well, that's the question at hand. Uh, Let's uh, read the lyrics. The lyrics are, I can almost see it, that dream I'm dreaming. But there's a voice inside my head saying, you'll never reach it. (laughs) This sounds like the Sun Stand Still prayer book, doesn't it? This sounds exactly like all this other... This sounds like the dream thing that uh, Rick Warren was talking about at the Desiring God conference. Yeah, that's right. I can almost see it. That dream I'm dreaming, but there's a voice inside my head saying, You'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaking But I gotta keep trying, gotta keep my head held high. This is having a dream and overcoming uh, the feelings of inadequacy. And the way you do it is you keep trying, you keep your head held high, you do this, you do that. Yeah, this is kind of like the perfect purpose driven praise song. Let me continue. There's always gonna be another mountain, I'm always gonna wanna make it move, always gonna be an uphill battle, sometimes I'm gonna have to lose, ain't about how fast I get there, ain't about what's waiting on the other side, it's the climb. The struggles I'm facing, the chances I'm taking, sometimes might knock me down, but no, I'm not breaking. I may not know it, but these are the moments that I'm gonna remember most, yeah, Just gotta keep going and I gotta be strong. Just gotta keep pushing on because there's always gonna be another mountain. I'm always gonna make it move. I'm always gonna, it's always gonna be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there, it ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's the climb. Yeah, there's always gonna be another mountain. Keep on moving, keep climbing, keep the faith, baby. It's all about it's all about the climb. Keep the faith. Keep your faith. Whoa. Keep your faith in what? Now remember, just because somebody throws out a, a Christianish term doesn't mean anything. And so when we talk about faith, okay, faith is a pass through. Faith is like eyesight, okay. When you say you have faith, that doesn't tell me anything. My immediate question is, faith in what? You know, I have faith in the U.S. economy. I have faith in the federal government. Well, that's a misguided faith. I have faith that I can make the sun stand still. Or I have faith in... Christ and him crucified for my sins yeah it has the word faith I mean I granted the word faith that sounds biblical and Christian and everything but faith in what according to what I'm seeing here it's faith that I'm going to make my dreams come true so then the question is is this really an appropriate song for praise and worship time at church well apparently Saddleback Church thinks so uh, here's uh, Saddleback Church's rendition of this song from the Saddleback worship team. Uh, featuring Jackie Barnard singing there for a second. Now, here's the deal. At a Christian church where the message of the gospel, Christ and him crucified for our sins, law and gospel, sin and grace, hell and heaven are constantly being placarded. God's word in context, repentance and the forgiveness of sins are the center. Uh, Then this um, song is completely... Out of bounds. It's me focused, heretical, and self helpish. But in a church where, you know, it's all about you achieving your dreams and discovering your purpose, well, then this is perfectly appropriate, don't you think? I mean, this is the perfect, quintessential, purpose driven praise song. See, you don't need a Jesus for the purpose-driven gospel. You just got to be strong. That's all you need. You got to struggle through it. You know, it's the climb. This isn't about Jesus winning, you know, conquering sin, death, and the devil. This is you conquering all the setbacks to achieving your dream. Yeah, this is the perfect purpose-driven praise song, don't you think? Hands are raised, guys have their eyes closed, swaying back and forth. Oh, yes, there's nothing like worshiping me in my dream. Can't you feel the spirit moving? That's right. It's the climb. You gotta achieve your purpose, achieve your dreams. That's right. God's there to help you be significant. All you have to do is obey Him. Don't, don't worry, though. We got five easy steps that help you there. That's right. No, we're not changing the message. This is just contextualization. Lord, we just want to thank you for giving me a dream, Lord, and and giving me the tenacity and the strength so that me can can accomplish the that dream that I have you know, to make the sun stand still and achieve my purpose and and be glorified and and Lord, may you glorify me in all that I do. I ask this. In the name of my life coach and uh, helper along the way, an ultimate example of achieving dreams. Jesus, uh, the, um, uh, I don't know any theological ideas regarding this Jesus, but the Jesus, the ultimate example and life coach and helper. Amen. Yeah, it seems, that I mean, that was the perfect purpose-driven praise song, don't you think? We're up on our first break. If you'd uh, like to email me regarding anything you've heard On this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's Facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. You can follow me on Twitter, my name there Pirate Christian. We'll be right back.
2: Thanks for calling Saddleback Customer Service. This is Josh. How can I help you today? Yes, I would like to return the Jesus I received from you. I heard there was a 60 day return policy. Yes, sir, there is. But can I ask you why you want to return Jesus? Well, I was told if I received Jesus, he'd fix all my problems. Quite honestly, I'm not satisfied with this Jesus. Sir, what is your Jesus doing right now? Nothing. He just sits there. Have you taken time to feed your Jesus? Well, I went to church for the preaching, but nothing has happened. Sir, if you read the fine print on the warranty, you'll see that you are responsible for feeding, not the church or the pastor. Oh, well, can I exchange this Jesus for another? Sir, what kind of Jesus are you looking for? I need the Jesus that forgives sins, you know, changes your life on the inside, helps you overcome the sins of the flesh, never leaves me nor forsakes me, and will take me to heaven when I die. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We don't stock that Jesus here. You'll have to go somewhere else to have that Jesus. Well, I guess I'll just stick with the one I got since I already opened the box. Wonderful, sir. Can I interest you in getting Jesus for your friends and family? Why would I do that?
3: Keep
0: more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Rosebro here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheapo Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheapo Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. Visit Pirate Christian com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code and then click on the banner and then book your travel today. Again, that's Pirate Christian com forward slash cheap. Need a wah wah pedal on that when I'm coming in, you know.
2: Wah, 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 wah.
0: <laughs> Warning: If you if Miley Cyrus's "The Climb" is a praise song at your church, you're probably not hearing the biblical gospel <laughs> like at all. <laughs> It'll make you feel good and then send you to hell. Need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world. That's right. We're in a partnership. It's real simple. I continue to serve you, and that's what I'm doing. I'm serving you through a biblical study, research, and uh, by, and then producing this radio program and putting it out and giving you a daily dose of biblical discernment. Your, uh, what you get to do from this is you get to grow. And listen, I may not be right on everything I say, so you need to compare even what I'm saying in the name of God to the Word of God. But as you grow, as you're challenged, as you're challenged to search deeper in the Scriptures and to see Christ and Him crucified for you and to learn sound biblical doctrine and learn how to distinguish Truth from error, light from darkness, lies from the truth uh, as a result of the service that I bring to you every day, then what you do is you partner with us and make it possible not only for me to continue doing this and bringing this program to you, but also to help bring this message to the world. And that's the nice thing about the day we live in. Is that uh, we truly live in a day where it's possible to deliver a you know a radio program not to a region but to the entire world and the footprint of fighting for the faith in pirate Christian Radio really is global. in fact uh, we are one of the premier uh, fi- uh, pirate Christian radio is one of the premier uh, talk radio stations on the live 365 radio network, which is the premier radio network on the internet. and in fact, I can say definitively we are the number one. Christian talk radio station on the live 365 uh, uh, radio network. and we're the number three talk station on uh, on the uh, live 365 network uh, as it is. I mean there's only two other pro uh, stations that are above us as far as listenership is concerned in the talk category. So uh, it, 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 so that means that your your contributions really go a long way to help underwrite our, our expenses. Uh, our production expenses uh, our computer costs we've uh, we've had to acquire some new technology in order to handle the load of uh, downloads that we've been getting. We've had a huge surge in uh, in new listeners. And uh, and so as a result of it, you know, you, really your financial partnership is that. It's a partnership, and it makes it possible for us to continue doing what we're doing and to grow. So if you would like to partner with us, the way you do it is by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says Donate, and now the other one says Join Our Crew. You thinking, okay, we got two choices here. Now, the join our crew button. What you're doing is you're signing up to automatically contribute a small amount of money every month. That small amount is six dollars and ninety five cents. You're thinking that's not a lot of money. Well, actually, it is, and I'll tell you why. Is because um, it it makes it possible for a large base of people to carry the load of uh, uh, the 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 major load of of underwriting this program. And uh, the idea there is is that uh, it, by having a consistent amount of money coming in monthly, then what it does is it allows us to better budget and to, and to you know, pay pay our expenses as they're coming in. So uh, that's a great way to support us, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. Of course, if you would like to you know, to contribute the amount of your uh, choosing whether that be below 695 or above it you can do so by clicking on the donate button or you can uh, write a check and make it payable to fighting for the faith and send it to post office box 508 fishers indiana zip code 46038 if you haven't started supporting us then this is a good time to do so all right. Uh, switching gears here. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about for the rest of the program. I'm going to uh, play some Patricia King audio and comment here. And uh, this the, the the reason I'm playing this segment. Uh, this is an older video, Patricia King, is um, is because I want you to see the template. I want you to see the template. The idea here is, is, that, is that Satan is going to offer you something that's not really offered in the Bible. Uh, and you're sitting here, are you calling Patricia King Satan? Well, unfortunately, that's who she's working for. She doesn't really realize it, but that's the case. Uh, so what happens is, is the Bible doesn't promise you the thing things that she says it's promising you, and we, we've seen lots of different carrots, haven't we? God's going to give you a big dream. He's going to reveal to you uh, your 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 unique and individual life purpose. He's going to, and all you have to do is obey him. So the way the template works is offer a carrot that's not offered in the Bible to meet somebody's felt needs or aspirations or ambitions, and then tell them the, the way they have to get that is that they have to then do something. This is not the gospel, okay? And the things that are being promised, I, I don't see them in Scripture. But uh, I want you to pay close attention to the template. If you've listened to uh, the, the sermon review I did earlier this week, on uh, uh, uh change your game the uh the you know the one that opens with the bizarre lobster man uh reciting the uh the Beatles you'll see you'll you should immediately notice that this template is the same except for Patricia King has to compress it into a shorter video and that guy took a long time to develop in, in a sermon length uh exposition so with uh with, well, before we do that though I have to do this because We can't talk about Patricia King without, well, you know, introing her with my favorite intro music for her and her friends. Ta-da! All right, so uh, here's Patricia King, and uh, the name of this particular video is, uh, hang on, let me pull this up, where'd you go? It's, um, here you are, um. No, that's not it. Uh no, it's not supernatural teeth whitening. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh here we go the name of the video is called Kingdom Finances. I've I've got a really large collection on my hard drive. I you know, uh, if if Google were to make a service to Google my hard drive, I might <laughs> Yeah, it's uh whoo, anyway, <laughs> Here is uh, Patricia King. The name of the video is Kingdom Finances. Kingdom Finances. And I want you to pay attention to the template. Well, I'll point out the carrot and, uh, and then the, all you've got to do to experience it. And there's some pretty strange things she says in here. So, anyway, here's Patricia King.
4: Hi there. One of my mandates this year is to help people live according to the righteous plumb line of the Lord.
0: Law. And one of my kingdom mandates is to help people live according to the righteous plumb line. Now, listen. I am not an antinomian, okay? The thing is is that uh we always have to hear both law and gospel and understand that sanctification also is through the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now we we have a part in that, but really when you look, if you were to put it on a pie chart, the Holy Spirit's work uh 90 per, 99%, we get the you know, we got the tiny slot, small sliver. Yes. So the Holy Spirit does produce fruits of repentance in our life, and uh, we are not, as Christians, to use the grace of Christ to wantonly go out and turn it into a a license to sin. No, that's not it at all. But watch the template here. The template is always holding up a carrot, and and then the thing you've got to do to get it is you have to obey. Here we go.
4: We must align with the Lord. He's shaking everything that can be shaken. And he's separating um, away from him whatever can be separated. You know, in the Bible, right in Genesis, we see that he separated the light from the darkness. We see in the book of Matthew how he separates wheat from tares and sheep from goats. And we see in Malachi where he separates good from evil.
0: So if you don't, you know, hey, if you don't start living according to the righteous palm line, God's shaking things out and
4: he's going to shake you out of the kingdom. Yeah, you're gone. Toast. And um, it's a time when we need to be separated unto the Lord because he's going to shake everything that can be shaken and he's going to set fire to everything that can burn and so um we don't want to be wood hay and stubble we want to be aligned with him
0: and <laughs> you're right so yeah so did, did you get what's going on here i mean right off the bat I mean, <laughs> yikes god's shaking things up and he's shaking out the things that can be shaken out and you don't want to be wood hay and stubble now do you because you know what happens to that it burns yeah you, you know boy yeah okay i don't want to burn what do i got to do what do i got to do
4: we'll talk more about that whole subject in another time but right now i want to share about the area of kingdom finance in the world right now we're seeing economic shake shakings to global proportion. We know through the Bible that in the end times, there's going to be a complete shaking of the Babylonian or the world system. In fact, all the buying and selling and trading that's done in the world is going to be taken out in one hour. And all those that traded under the spirit of Babylon are going to be uh, remorseful. There's going to be wailing. There's you know uh, going to be people taking their lives and everything as a result of that system failing. But we're of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so I want to help believers walk in the plumb line of the Lord's righteousness because he is separating a people unto himself. And there's going to be a people that live not according to the world's way, not according to its lust, not according to the drawings of the world or the flesh, the lust of the flesh, but according to the kingdom of God, even in the area of kingdom economy. And so he wants us to have faith, to live in a realm that cannot be shaken. And I was um, reading out of Haggai this morning, out of Haggai 2, and it says of the Lord, this is the Lord speaking in Haggai 2, verse 7, it says, I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all the nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, in Hebrews, we see about a shaking too, Hebrews twelve the Lord says he'll shake everything that can be shaken not only in the earth,
0: but okay, now notice what she's doing here. i gotta do a little biblical work here. if you have your Bible, open up to Haggai um she was reading from chapter two well let's let's put this back in context, okay. Was what was revealed to the prophet Haggai that she's talking about, was this about the shaking that apparently is going on right now? I mean, I had no idea. I mean, I God failed to—you e- know what? How do I get on God's email list? Y- anyone know? I mean, is there some kind of a listserv that I can sign up for? Yeah, because, you know, I didn't get the email uh, that um, that God was going to be shaking everything out and that can be shaken. I just—I didn't know that that was what he was doing right now. I mean— <sighs> you know, if he would just, you know, CC me on his emails, then, you know, then I could be up to date and see exactly what's going on. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, so uh, the prophet Haggai, she said she was reading from chapter two. Well, let's read this. Uh, In the seventh month of the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, yeah, the uh, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. "Uh, Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you, When you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Uh, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former," says the Lord of Hosts. And in this place I will give peace," declares the Lord of Hosts. Now, now, without really going in depth theologically here, immediately my uh, Messiah meter's going off. Ding, 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 ding. Ah, I think that this is a prophecy that ultimately finds its fulfillment in Christ, and. Without really studying this and and you know going in depth, I I would need to you know spend a little bit of time trying to figure a few things out and kind of see where where the theme is going here. Um, this may or may not be referring to Christ's second coming, uh, or it might you know have part part uh, part fulfillment in Christ's first advent and part fulfillment in the second advent. The reason I say that is because uh, when I think about and when I think about Jesus on the cross, okay, one of the things that uh, the eyewitnesses uh, record for us regarding Jesus' death on the cross is that, you know, he shouted out in a loud voice, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, and immediately there was a huge earthquake, huge earthquake, and the, 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 the veil inside of the temple you know, that separates the holy place from the holy of holies was ripped from, you know, top, starting from the top, ripped to the bottom. And so, I you know, this this whole shaking idea, I'm wondering, I don't know for sure, I'm wondering if maybe there's not some fulfillment of that in in this because he he says, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Well, where's the place where Jesus gives peace? where God gives peace to the world, it's the cross. And so it, it it makes me feel like, you know, just on a first reading, you know, without really spending a lot of time in the text, that there there really are some allusions here that point us to Christ, that point us to the shed blood of Christ, the place where God gives peace to the whole world. So, and on top of it, we've got, we've got you know, this is a specific thing to be told to uh, Zerubbabel, Uh, Jehozadak, you know, and so, um, yeah, again, I'm just, and and see, you got all this talk in in this section where God is saying, I'm with you. Don't worry. Don't fear. Trust me. Yeah, see, here's the deal. I can't see how this text could somehow be likened to some inside information about how God is going to shake the nations, you know, kind of. Hmm, and you know, and see this idea. I'll shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with the glo- with glory," says the Lord of Hosts. Makes you wonder if that maybe maybe a, a, another possible way of looking at this text. Now you're kind of hearing as you know the, I'm working on this text dry that maybe the shaking of the nations is uh, the uh, the the day of the harvest, the last day yeah you know again, I, I think there's something this, there's, there's something really messianic going on here in Haggai, and I'm just doing this off of a cold reading of the text. again, I, I'm seeing Christ and I'm seeing stuff that can really be you know, you know, to brought to his work and not this stuff that she's talking about. But anyway, I just wanted to you know take a look at the text
4: and see what was going on there. Let's continue. But also in the heavens, and only what is not shakeable will remain. So it's interesting that he's saying he's going to shake the nations so that they come with, with the desire of the nations, which is Jesus is the desire of nations. So there's going to be a shaking so that whatever is left is of Jesus. That's it. Whatever will stand will be of him. Now, when I was away in Thailand back in September, I had a vision of a ferocious wind blowing. And in
0: that. Now, what's she preaching? When I was in Thailand, I had a vision. Oh, okay. She, apparently her vision's on. Well, this. You know, this came directly from God. It, it may not. It may not be a piece of undigested sardine. But apparently, in her eyes, this is directly from God. This is on par with Scripture. I mean, she's equal to the prophet Haggai.
4: That wind—it was like Hurricane Ike. A lot of you remember Hurricane Ike. It blew against the shores of Galveston and took out everything basically that that could be shaken. And there was only a few things standing. And I saw this wind blowing similar to that proportion. And it was like it blew down everything in this vision. And only a few things stood. And there were trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And there was just a few planted, but everything else came down. And the Lord gave me a warning. He said, tell my people that my shakings are coming. There's going to be the winds, the, the destructive winds that are going to come, and in that will destroy everything that can be destroyed. But we're of a kingdom that cannot be destroyed. So if we're in Christ, we cannot be destroyed because we're of an eternal nature in him. So everything that is of an incorruptible seed cannot be touched on the eternal level. So he says, make sure hearts are aligned. But he said, not only are the winds coming, but there's fire coming.
3: Oh,
0: oh, oh man. There's wind and fire coming, and you and you you got to make sure that hearts, you better tell people their hearts better be aligned or else. Law or gospel? Gospel. This is pure law. And this apparently, the Lord told her this. Well, this doesn't line up with salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and, and Jesus being the one who's accomplished it all for us. And that we're not to try to earn our salvation by works, but instead we're to receive the gift from God by faith as a gift. But, you know, you better get, you know, there's a shaking coming and there's going to be wind and fire. Your heart better be aligned or else.
4: There are the burnings of the spirit that are coming. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But the Lord is going to shake economic systems. So where do we stand then? You know where we stand? We stand in the truth. And we stand with God. And he said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Now, if you're a covenant believer and the silver is the Lord's and the gold is his, that means it's yours too. There's lots of silver in the earth. There's lots of gold in the earth. There's lots of oil in the earth. (laughs)
0: <laughs> huh? <laughs> so all the silver all the gold all the oil in the earth will it act if you're a covenant believer then it actually belongs to you so you know it, all you got to do is align your heart right and god will give you all the silver and gold and oil really
4: and if it belongs to the lord it belongs to you there's lots of money in the earth there's trillions of dollars and the earth. there's currency in every nation It's all out there And if it's in the earth, it belongs to us. Because he said, all the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If it's his, it's yours. If you're a covenant child, what we need to learn to do is, first of all, make sure our hearts are aligned with him. This is not an...
0: So you want the oil, you want the silver, you want the gold. You better make sure your heart's aligned or, well, you can't have it.
4: Our to have any sin, do not tolerate sin, hate sin with a perfect hatred.
0: Yeah. So that you, yeah, it's really simple. You want the silver, you want the gold, you want the oil. Don't sin. That, I mean, it's that simple. If you want that, you just, well, you, you, you got to hate sin with a perfect hatred and just stop sinning, you know, get, get on with it.
4: In Psalm 45, it says the psalmist loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, he was anointed with the oil of joy above all of his fellows. You want to love righteousness and hate wickedness. If
0: you're gonna yeah, by the way, that psalm was a messianic psalm. Just want to let you know.
4: ascend into the hill of the Lord with the blessings of the Lord being manifested constantly in your life, then you need to have pure hands and clean heart.
0: Yeah, do you see the template? Let me back that up. I mean, listen to what she's saying here. Is this, uh, you know, this is blessings via via obedience. Here we go.
4: You want to love righteousness and hate wickedness. If you're going to ascend into the hill of the Lord with the blessings of the Lord being manifested constantly in your life, then you need to have pure hands and clean heart. You have to be purified in the Lord. Ask the Lord to convict you of any unconfessed sin and make things right with him.
0: Yeah, you, yeah, what's missing here? You know, it's completely gone. Poof. I mean, uh, the cross. Um, what do I need Jesus again for? I'm confused. I mean, what was that whole thing about him dying on the cross for my sins? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't focus on Jesus. Oh, I need to focus on me making things right with God. Didn't Jesus make things right between me and God? You know, what does the text say that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we can be the righteousness of God? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. this yes, is yes, Stop talking about that. Yes, you, no, no, no. We're talking about if you if you want to experience the 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 blessings of the latter reign of heaven, you know, you so that you can claim the earth's silver and gold and oil for yourself, then you need to make things. Yeah, you, God, you God, you got to convict me of all of the the uh, my unconfessed sins so that I won't do it because I, I want I want silver, gold and oil.
4: Do not take sin lightly in this hour because the wrath of God is going to be revealed against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. Therefore, if you're in unrighteousness or you're in ungodliness, the wrath of God will come against what you are in. Yeah, but what about the
0: imputed righteousness of Christ? I mean, hello, I'm a Christian. Uh, my sin was put on Christ as if he's the one who committed it. He died as my penal substitute. He actually was punished for my sin on the cross. And by faith, his righteousness is given to me as like a garment for me to wear as if I'm like God sees me as covered in the perfect righteousness of Christ. How can I add to that?
4: Huh? Yeah, and see how the heresy template works? If you're in it, you get the effect of it as well. Let's be separated away from that unto him. And especially in the economy, don't love the world system. You know, people are all worried about their investments. I'm not. Why? Because I invest everything into the kingdom of God.
0: I, she sounds just like Rick Warren. <laughs> Are you related to him? I'm not worried about it. I invest everything I have into the kingdom of God. Oh, you're so perfect, Patricia. Oh, if only I could be as righteous as you. That's right. I just want to let you all know, though, if your righteousness doesn't surpass that of Patricia King, well, then you can't be
4: saved. I invest my tithes. I invest my offerings. You know, I don't have a lot of, I don't have any investments in stocks at all. I don't have investments in um, retirement savings even. In the earth, I have retirement savings in the kingdom because I know that, my God, if I sow faithfully into him faithfully, then I have a bank account in heaven.
0: If I sow faithfully, then I... Wow. W-w-w- again, what, what gets left behind in this heresy template? And I see, we see this all the time. Christ, the cross, the forgiveness of sins, the shed blood of Jesus... It begins to make, you know, it'll make a token appearance here in a second. But you can't make sense of what Jesus was doing on the cross in this particular sense.
4: That I can draw from, even if I'm a 100 years old, 105 year olds, it doesn't matter. And the Lord leads me and shows me how to secure lands or how to set up his business or whatever. He teaches me how to go about my father's business. And I release that father's business anointing to you right now as well. Start thinking kingdom, because whatever you do in obedience to God, it is going to flourish. But you have to think according to kingdom perspective, not earthly perspective all the gold and all the silver is his. And he says this, the latter glory of this house. And the glory talks, when you look up that word glory in the Old Testament, part of the definition is about all that belongs to him, the splendor of his house. It's the richest, the copiousness that he has. He says, the riches of the latter glory of his house. That's that's us. We're the latter glory of his house. We're his house. will be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace. And that word peace there speaks of salvation and deliverance and prosperity, peace of mind, peace of heart. And prosperity. Okay. This is what the Lord offers us. And the greater glory is for right now. Now, that greater glory is available, but it's only ours if we receive it.
0: What the greater glory is? It says that, oh, man, talk about a twist. So apparently that greater glory is available right now. Yeah, you can have it right now. Oh wow. So let me see if I have this straight Patricia. I mean, so uh God told you there's wind and fire coming and you don't want to be chaff. So I've got to I all I got to do is stop sinning and if I can do that then not only can, will I be uh, avert the shaking and the wind and the fire. But I can experience the latter glory right now, the greater glory right now.
4: And what do we, what, oh, this sounds wonderful. What do I got to do again? Greater glory is available, but it's only ours if we receive it by faith. Mm. Everything in the kingdom that's true has to be received by faith. Okay. Salvation is for all the people. Jesus died for all the people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Here's the Jesus part. So I got to, I got to receive it by faith. So I got to receive the greater glory. I got, so I got to. Stop sinning, but receive this thing by faith. Okay,
4: For their sins, 2,000 years ago, he already saved everyone as far as the work of salvation. Yeah, yeah. But is everyone going to experience salvation? No. Only those who secure it by faith. You have to secure the promises by faith.
0: You have to. Boy, this
4: is turning faith into a work. You notice that? They're all real for everyone. They're tangible for everyone. But they're only tangible in your experience. If you appropriate it by faith, Ah. and so I want you to appropriate the greater glory that comes to these final days for you right now. Start taking all the gold and all the silver, all the oil, all the money. It's the Father's. If it's His, all everything in the earth is yours.
0: So I need to take all the gold, all the silver, and all the oil by faith. So if I just appropriate this by faith, you know it's okay. Uh, So as I'm driving by the, you know, the BP station or Exxon or just say, I I, I appropriate that to me by faith. And so, boom, I've now, so barrels of oil should start showing up at my door. And and then when I see those commercials on television for, you know, gold, you know, uh, that, you know, I, I should just point to the television and say, I appropriate that gold to me by faith. And it'll just start showing up.
4: Because, you know, I, I've just stopped sinning. Uh, so, you know. Because you're in the Father. Because you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now start receiving it by faith. How do you posture yourself? By believing in those promises and by being a doer of the word. So, if you believe that in the measure you sow, you'll reap, then you'll sow. Sow into good ground. Sow into kingdom ground.
0: Yeah, this is all works.
4: Don't have a lust for your own flesh. To...
0: I mean, even the idea of salvation by grace through faith, I mean, they've turned faith into a work that I have to do, and then I have to be a doer of the word. And d- does, um, does the Bible anywhere clearly say that I can appropriate to myself silver, gold, and oil? Yeah, she twisted Haggai too there, didn't she? Hmm.
4: Spend it on your own pleasures. But think kingdom advancement. Think the eternal realm. We're all going to leave this world someday.
0: Yeah, but but the good news is, is that I can leave all my oil and silver and gold to, you know, my kids.
4: Can't take your, your natural riches with you. Invest into the kingdom of God and leave an inheritance for the ages to come.
0: Yeah, you see, uh, right. <sighs> uh, wow. Um, so, I mean, did you know that, you know, that you can appropriate to yourself by faith oil, silver, and gold? Yeah. All you got to do is, um, stop sinning and then you can appropriate by faith, you know, because, you know, it's, a, it's all a gift, you know, but you, know, you got to appropriate by doing, you got to do, you got to stop sinning though first, because God's going to shake everything down. Yeah. All right, we're at the end of hour number one of Fighting for the Faith. When we come back, we have a good sermon review for you, and it's a short one. Uh, the sermon is by uh, Pastor Ernie Lastman of uh, Messiah Lutheran Church in Seattle, Washington. And it's a, um, it's a sermon about uh, the prophet Habakkuk's complaints and God's answer to the prophet Habakkuk. And you know what? Uh, considering all the crazy things that are going on right now, I thought this would be a very timely and good sermon for you all to hear. Because the question is, where is God with all of these things, these crazy things going on inside of his church? It seems like evil is abounding. Heresy has the upper hand. Uh, more and more people are being uh, deceived and deceiving. And it's, where where is God right now? Where is he? Yeah, well, we're going to answer that question uh, in Pastor Lastman's sermon, so you don't want to miss that. Now, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address: talkback at fightingforthefaith dot com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook dot com forward slash pirate christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there: pirate christian. We'll be right back.
2: No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
3: This is the air I breathe. This
1: is the air I breathe. I've had enough.
0: Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap o Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap o Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap o Air's already low prices. Visit PirateChristianRadio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code and then click on the banner and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. It's not even a full hour. It's going to be a short one. I'm doing penance. I think I mentioned that. Yeah, I've been doing it again. I've been having some really long editions of Fighting for the Faith, so we'll do some penance this week, and like last week, and I'll play for you a short... Sermon. All right. Before I play the ukulele music, <laughs> I let me read the text that uh, that makes it, forms the basis of this sermon. If you have your Bible, flip on over to the prophet Habakkuk. Uh, I'm going to read chapters one and part of chapter two, uh, so that you can see what's going on here. So this is uh, this is the Old Testament uh, reading from last Sunday. Here we go. Uh, uh, Habakkuk chapter one, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? It's a great question. These are important questions because I I think we're experiencing some of that right now. Lord, where are you? Your church has gone completely bonkers. It's stark raving mad and refuses to be bound by your word and what you revealed about yourself and is off teaching things that ought not to be taught. Where are you, Lord? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you, says the Lord. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome, and their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than evening wolves, and the horse, their horsemen press proudly on, their horsemen come from afar, and they fly like an eagle, swift to devour." This is God's answer. And they all come for violence, all their faces forward, and they gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth, and then they take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their uh, is their God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my Lord, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, you have ordained them as judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. Who are who, you who are of pure eyes than, than to see evil and cannot look at wrong? Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook, and he drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station, and station myself on the tower and look out and see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And then the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. For it will surely come and it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. This is the text that forms the basis of the sermon that you are about to hear, which means that I need to play our sermon review music here. Good, the bad, the ugly—we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We are an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Messiah Lutheran Church, Seattle, Washington. Pastor Ernie Lastman presiding. The name of the sermon is Habakkuk's Complaint and God's Answer. You just heard the text that forms the basis of this sermon. This is a timely sermon that we all need to hear right now. Why? Because it doesn't make any sense what's going on. Evil surrounds us. The world's getting worse. The, and in the church we have false teachers who are teaching things that they are not they have not been commissioned by God to teach. Things that ought not to be taught men are being taught to rely upon themselves to dream dreams that God has not dreamt for them and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the proclamation of repentance and the forgiveness of sins has gone by the wayside and yet we cry out to the Lord Lord how long are you going to allow this to go on evil surrounds us don't you see it This sermon will tackle that issue. All right, let me kill this music. So, without any further ado, here is Pastor Ernie Lastman of Messiah Lutheran Church, Seattle, Washington. The backex complaint. God's answer.
1: Grace, mercy, and peace be from God, our Father, and our risen Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon for this morning is based upon our Old Testament lesson. It's on the back of your bulletin for further review. My fellow redeemed in Christ, I don't know about you, but sometimes I fear that I am a good-time Christian. And what I mean by good-time Christian isn't that I'm partying all the time. What I mean by good time Christian is, I realize it's so easy to be a Christian when everything's going good. I realize how easy it is to be a Christian when I'm happy, when I'm content. I realize how easy it is to pray and to believe in God's love and tell others about God's love when life is going good. But as I'm sure all of you have discovered, life isn't always easy, and times are not always good. Sometimes times and life are interrupted, interrupted by heartaches, tragedies, problems, sadness, suffering, and death. This is the world that we live in. And in such times, it's not easy to be a Christian. In such times, it's not always easy to pray. In such times, it's not always to believe in God's love, much less tell someone else about God's love. And I must confess to you, there have been times in my life I have questioned God's love. I've asked that proverbial question, why? And it's in such times that I fear that I'm nothing more than a good time Christian. And perhaps there's been times in your life, too, that you have felt the same way. And if not, well, your time may still be coming. But as they say, misery loves company. Which means not only we're all in the same boat, but that includes even our prophet this morning. The prophet Habakkuk. And so let's listen to Habakkuk and see what we can learn about Habakkuk's complaint and God's answer. First of all, we want to begin with a very basic truth, and that is people are people. Of all times and places, it doesn't matter. Sometimes we make that mistake, distinguishing between modern and ancient. There is no difference. The only difference we can say is in science and technology. Other than that, there's no difference among people, of times and places. And that's why what Habakkuk says this morning from 605 B.C., is still valid today. The setting that Habakkuk lived in was a day of violence and injustice. They were rampant. Babylon, modern-day Iraq, was an aggressive, violent empire that had destroyed all the neighbors around Israel and now had set its sight on Israel herself. And that, among other reasons, is why Habakkuk complains, destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise It wasn't even better in his own nation, the people of Israel, God's people. He complains that even in the nation of Israel, there was uh, injustice. He saw it all around him as he says, so the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. In other words, even in his own nation, the people of Israel, it had become corrupt and immoral. In the people of Israel, among them, their judges were taking bribes. So the rich and powerful got off scot-free, and the poor and the weak would be found guilty. And even the church itself in Israel had been corrupted. There were false teachers everywhere, even leading and encouraging the people of Israel to worship false gods. And to make matters even the worse in the midst of all these things, God himself seemed to be unfair, not only because he wasn't addressing all these things, but also because God had told Habakkuk he was going to use the pagan, ungodly Babylonian empire to punish Israel for all of our sins. What? How could God do that? Yes, Israel had sinned. Yes, Israel had become corrupt and immoral and worshipped false gods. Yes, God's people deserve some kind of punishment. But by the Babylonians? Why? They were worse than the people of Israel. Far more violent and cruel, worshipping false gods that wanted human sacrifice. How could God use such an ungodly, cruel people to punish his own people? And so Habakkuk had many things to complain about. Why are you silent? Why the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? And so Habakkuk asks that proverbial question, why? He didn't understand all the things that were happening all around him. Nothing made sense. And he asked God over and over again, why? And he had prayed. Oh, yes, he had prayed and prayed. And prayed and heard nothing but silence, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? And so, in our lesson, Habakkuk is crying out, "God, can you hear what you have to say about all these things? Sound familiar? Certainly does to me. Our day really is no different from the days of Habakkuk. Violence is all around us. Radical Muslims want to destroy us with every opportunity that they can, not to mention Iran and North Korea, and who knows what the intentions of China and Russia are, and what will happen on our southern border with the growing problem of the gangs down there and the violence already coming into our own country. Then we have such senseless deaths caused by drunken drivers, How does a family deal with that? What about justice? Do you think the average person will get the same kind of treatment for drugs as Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan have received? Only God knows how many bribes are taken around the world and in our own country. Bribes by politicians and judges and others. I did this and I suggest that you just put it in the computer bribe and you'll have plenty of pages and stories to read all about page after page. And just like in the days of packet, it was no better with the church. We hear all kinds of corruption about the Christian church, scandal in the Christian church, injustice in the Christian church. And the latest we've heard about is mega church pastor Eddie Long accused of sexually abusing four teenagers in his church not to mention his lavish uh, lifestyle based upon wealth and power. Here's just one brief quote from Pastor Long from last Sunday's Seattle Times. We're not just a bumbling bunch of preachers who can't talk, and all we're doing is baptizing babies. I deal with the White House. I deal with Tony Blair. I deal with presidents around the world. I pastor a multi-million dollar congregation. Well, I could go on and on. I think you get the point. Indeed, you could probably share examples with me, your own stories that you've seen in your life and experienced in your life that just don't make sense. And it seems sometimes when we go through life, God must be blind. God must be deaf. or well, he doesn't care. Yes, I must confess to you, brothers or sisters, it's been times in my life I've become angry with God. So you can see why sometimes I feel like a good-time Christian. So what does God say to us when we get so frustrated and angry, confused and complaining? Well, because people don't change, and certainly God doesn't change. He says the same thing to us as he did to Habakkuk long ago. And what's that? Be patient. Trust in my promises. That's it? That's it. There are many things that Habakkuk didn't understand, but all revolved around the Messiah. How could the Messiah come when God's people were so corrupt and immoral and chasing after false gods? How could the Messiah come when the people were going to be exiled from the promised land and didn't even live there anymore? And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, for the vision awaits its appointed time. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. In other words, God was telling Habakkuk, Habakkuk, you don't have to understand. I don't ask you to understand. I just ask you to believe and to trust me. I do have a plan, and I am working that plan, even if it doesn't look like it. Now, you and I have an advantage over Habakkuk, don't we? We know how his story turned out. We know certainly the Babylonians came, and they did indeed destroy the people of Israel and took them off into captivity to Babylon. Ah, but just like God said, at the appointed time, 70 years later, God used the Persians to destroy the Babylonians and sent his people back home to the land of Israel, and then at another appointed time, just as he promised, God sent his Son, the Messiah, into the world. As Paul writes in Galatians, But when the fullness of time had come, that would be the appointed time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, and yet this was 600 years after Habakkuk died. Yes, indeed, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. There's an old saying, slow but sure. That means, well, something may be slow in coming, but it is unstoppable. It will come. And so it is with God's plan. He will carry out his plan, but in his own time, and in his own way. And so God was telling Habakkuk, Habakkuk, trust me. The righteous shall live by his faith. Faith in God's word. Faith in God's promises. And so it is with us as well. Habakkuk never saw the Savior, Jesus. He never knew Jesus, but praise God, we we do, don't we? What a wonderful privilege and joy that we know Jesus Christ, God in human form. We celebrate his birth each and every Christmas, every Sunday in the gospel lesson. We hear about his life, his life of love and how he helped and healed people. His holy sinless life lived in the place of our sinful life. And we know about the depth of his love for us when he died for our sins and that horrible and brutif- brutal crucifixion, which we remember especially on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And we know the joy of his resurrection from the dead to give us everlasting life as we confess in the creed each and every Sunday. And we know that part of his promise, he's coming again a second and a last time to raise us from the dead and to give us eternal life just as we confess again in the creed. And so then we know that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are a part of God's plan. As he says in our second lesson, God saved us and called us to a holy calling because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, whenever there are things that we do not understand, things that do not make sense, perhaps lead us to question the love of God and perhaps even his existence, God also says to us in such circumstances, I don't ask you to understand. I just ask you to believe. Trust me. Trust me. The righteous shall live by his faith. And how can we not trust the one who gave his very own son into death for us? The righteous one for the unrighteous one. And so you see, whenever problems, heartaches, and tragedies break into our lives, whenever we struggle with questions or doubts that we may have, in the midst of all these things, we remember there's one thing for certain in the midst of all this change and uncertainty. Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ that shows us his love that he has for us. That's how we know that God loves us. And ultimately, when we encounter things that we do not understand that create crisis in our lives, it is Jesus Christ and his love ultimately that help us to overcome our doubts. For the righteous shall live by his faith. As we sang in verse 2 of our sermon hymn, God knows what must be done to save me. His love for me will never cease. Martin Luther once said that if one morning he woke up and found himself in hell, he would still believe that God loved him. Why? Because that was God's promise to him in Jesus Christ. And God does not love. And part of that promise is is that he's coming again. And when Jesus Christ comes again, this world of violence and death, of injustice and corruption, will all be destroyed. It will come to an end. And God will create a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no such things. So then, patience, trust, hope, faith. But still the vision awaits its appointed time. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. And the righteous shall live by his faith. Amen. Amen.
0: Timely words. Words that we all need to hear right now in these dark and frustrating days. Wait for it. He will come. He has said that he will. And when he comes, he will put an end to all of this corruption. There will be no more false doctrine. There will be no more false teachers. There will be no more wolves in sheep's clothing. There will be no more sin, no more death, no more destruction, no more 11 o'clock news chronicling all the things that went wrong that day. There will be Christ. One who was slain for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. Amen. I need to remind you: Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio, and that means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and partnering with us in order to continue to bring this important radio outreach to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. You know the drill. Pick one, fill it out. And I thank you in advance for doing so. So, what'd you think? I'd love to get your feedback. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, pirate Christian. Until tomorrow, Friday night, by the way. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.